Now, this word preaching is the same as evangelizing. It has the Greek meaning of evangelizing, heralding the good news. Now, you would think that in days of persecution that all they would have had was bad news. And I'm sure there may have been negative spirits around who are saying, hey, you Christians are not doing so well now. You had a heyday for a while, but now look at you. But Philip preached the good news. And the good news, of course, was the very word of the Lord. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak today. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and we have a message today from John chapter 14, the way to the Father. And of course, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Firstly, that there is a way to the Father. There is, it is possible for sinful sons of Adam to have fellowship with God. Secondly, it is an open way. Jesus, by his life and death, has opened up a way to lead sinners into the presence of God. And thirdly, we can know that way. We are invited to walk in the light of the gospel and trust the Savior. And so, I trust you'll stay tuned right through as we bring the message on the way to the Father. We also have a moment in Mark. We'll be looking at chapter 2, verse 1, the nature of faith. So stay tuned with us as we let the Bible speak today from the pulpit of our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Thank you for taking the time to listen and to seek the Lord today. The verse I'm mentioning tonight is, of course, that verse 6 where Jesus made that profound statement, the statement that the world hates, the statement that uh, modernism and liberals and all who call themselves enemies or make themselves enemies of the gospel hate, this exclusivity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, where he said here in this verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. One of the great problems with a verse like this is that it just rattles off our tongue so freely uh, that we hardly stop to ponder the depth and the profound meaning of a statement like this. Uh, the statement was made in, in the light of Thomas' question. Yes, Thomas the doubter. And the Lord thought that he could assume after three years of discipleship, that these disciples would know the way to the Father. And you think back of how he taught them to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When you think of all that Jesus ministered to these circle of men, and now here is Thomas, and he's asking, 
How can we know the way? And all the light that was shone upon him, this truth had yet to sink in. I'm sure if you or I were to ask ten people in our neighborhood, what is the way to the Father? We would get different answers from everyone we ask. There would maybe be those who have some Bible or church background, and they might say, well, it's the Ten Commandments. If we keep the Ten Commandments, they will be a ladder to heaven, and according to the degree in which we keep them, we just might make it to heaven. Some will say, no, but you need also need inner strength. And those who put a lot of emphasis on meditation and inner light and all the uh, abilities of the human psyche, uh, they will put emphasis on the inner strength of human nature. Uh, there are others who believe that the way to sync with the Creator is through creation. And there's the, the earth worshipers, the New Age movement, and that's a whole array of different groupings. And they try to think that they can link up to the Creator by just adoring creation. Now, the Creator to them, if you ask them to define, well, who is the Creator? Well, that is usually very ill-defined. And it really goes back to heathenism, worship of moon and sun, and all the, the elements around us. And when you think of the, the array of answers you would get to the question, what is the way to the Father? This statement of the Lord Jesus is very, very profound and very deep. Christianity is not based on human reason. And that's why, of course, we get such an array of answers to that question, because people depend on reason. Human reason cannot be trusted, because we know that man is fallen. We're not only fallen in our physical body, but in our minds. The mind of man is really at enmity with God, and is not reconciled to God, is not subject to God. And therefore, there is always this, this error built in. And if you put error into the calculation, you're going to get error at the end. And so what we need is revelation. And Jesus is the revelation of the Father. Jesus says, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And he answers Thomas' question. Qu question, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if the nations of the world only had this one text out of the Bible, just one verse of all Scripture, they would begin to receive the light of the gospel, to know that this one person come from the Father is indeed the, the, the single path by which men can be reconciled to the true and living God. Now, I want to divide up this text tonight, verse 6, in three ways. Every preacher needs three points. So here we go. Number one, the goal. The goal of this text is to find the Father. 
That is the, the ultimate goal that we are about tonight. And if we miss that goal, all our religion, all our efforts in any which direction will come to nothing. Life on earth is so temporary, so empty, uh, that the ultimate goal is to have life with the Father. Secondly, there is the genius of this text, and that is that Jesus, this unique person, is the way to the Father. And then there is the good news that there is a way to the Father. There is a way. Now, this, the text says, no man cometh to the Father, but, and we need to thank God tonight for the but. If that but was not in there, everything else would be lost. There would be no way back to God. But, of course, Christ is that way. So, we begin with the goal, the goal of our text, to find the way to the Father. And this has been the history of world religions. I suppose we could begin with Cain and Abel. We could begin with those two brothers, one who found God and was accepted by God, the other who was driven out, banished from the presence of God. There was only one way, and Abel found that way, the way of the blood, the way of sacrifice by which he became accepted. The other great event was the Tower of Babel, a madman's idea of trying to build a tower that would reach into the heavens. And I don't know how high they intended to make it. And I don't know how they ever thought that they would actually reach God by such a means. But they built a tower, not to find the true God, but to become now a, 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 a model, to become a marker of the desires and the errors of men to reach the, the, the deity that was beyond them. Then, of course, in a, a later time, there was the perversity of Noah's day, and men we became rebellious. But praise God, there was a way to the Father through the ark, and Noah and his family were instructed to build the ark, and they entered the ark, and God preserved them, and God brought them through. As we march through the Bible, we come to Israel in Egypt and how God brought them out, that they might worship the true and the living God. And this has always been the struggle, the tension of nations. There is the right way, and there is the wrong way. There's the way that leads to God, and there's the way that leads to destruction. Reading through the, the kings of the Old Testament, uh, those good kings and bad kings, those apostate kings, those who turned to idolatry and immorality, how they missed the mark in seeking after God. And God sent prophets, prophets to call them back to the true way, the right way to the Father. Elijah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and each of those called men to repentance and to recognize the true and living God. That's the history of the world, to find the way to the Father. And it, 
in our generation. That's the work of the church. That's the work we are called to, to proclaim the one true living way to the Father. And amidst the false religions that are around us that have missed the mark, that defy God, we stand very much alone in the ministry of pointing men to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Now, this fact that Jesus, the Son of God, is the only way to the Father, and the reality is that it's so exclusive, so unpopular, but let's remember that this is the eternal plan of God. From the beginning, God planned it this way. The first text in the Bible that is what you would call a gospel text is Genesis 3.15, which talks about the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. And that seed of the woman, of course, is Christ, who is the one. And he was in view. He was given that role from the very beginning of the Bible. And indeed, before the world, Jesus was appointed by the Father to this work, to be the Savior of men. Now, we want to turn to the Bible here. We're going to Isaiah and chapter 40. Uh, we're going to read from verses 1 onward, Isaiah 40. Now, we've been painting with a big brush, and we've been covering a lot of periods of time uh, looking at this picture of one Savior, but let's see it here in the Scripture in Isaiah 40, uh, that God has in mind a plan to save His people. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And it goes on right down this uh, very uh, passage. Verse 6, the voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. And then verse 9, O Zion, thou that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. And then verse 10, Behold, the Lord will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Here is one Savior one shepherd, and one flock. And here in this Old Testament passage, you have the church in view. You have the, the God of grace electing, appointing, 
choosing and bringing out of the world a people for his own name. When we come to the New Testament, we go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And then we'll go down to verse 11 in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. This is the plan of grace, and the plan is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this now becomes the work of every church, every missionary, every gospel worker to proclaim this way of salvation. And that's the goal. It is the goal that God has appointed. It is the goal that God has set out. And the battle for truth and righteousness is to know the way of the Father. Now, there are three things that are eternal. There's heaven, there's hell, and there is the Bible. And we are called to proclaim this message to a lost world that God has a way. Now, the Lord Jesus has settled the issue of the very nature of eternal life, and that is to be with the Father. And praise God, in the fullness of time, he has come into the world to fulfill the work of Redeemer and Savior. And I'm not going to preach the cross. I should. Oh, I should. I should tell the story of how he went to that cross to die in the place of his people. But we see the goal, and the goal is that men might be brought to the Father. Now, tonight I want to ask you, is that your goal in life? Is that your utmost, foremost goal, that all of life is a preparation for eternity? And no matter what job you get, no matter what opportunities in life you achieve or are open up to you, the great goal is to prepare to meet thy God. And here it is, Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. Now, I move to the genius of our text, and here really is the wonder, absolute, astounding, astonishing wonder of the gospel, where Jesus says, I am the way. Here's the genius. God has appointed that this way, this life, is in his own Son. And this has always been God's plan. In Isaiah 42, 6, God said, and he referred to Jesus as his elect, his son, his, he is the Savior of men. And that has been the eternal plan of God. Now, when you think of the genius of this, who could do such a thing? Who could possibly be adequate, sufficient, to redeem all 
whom God will bring out of the world to be saved and bring them to glory. How could any one person undertake such a task? Well, that brings us back to who Jesus is and the uh, fact that he is the revelation of the Father. But you'll go back to chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the genius of the power that is within the person of the Lord Jesus. And when we think of all the fullness and all the grace that flows out of the person of the Lord Jesus, we marvel at the genius of it. And of course, John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He who was God, uh, totally, absolutely, uh, the mirror image of God, he became man, and he took our place, the perfect man. And then there is the genius of one person in the place of all his people, the elect. He is the second Adam. And just as by one man we have all sinned, by one man we receive righteousness. And through the obedience of Christ, we are accepted and made perfect through the Lord Jesus. There is the wisdom of God in making his Son to be the all-sufficient Savior of his people. Welcome to another moment in Mark's Gospel. Chapter 2, verse 1, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. This event took place in Capernaum, the place where Jesus' activities were centered during his Galilean ministry. And you read of that in Mark chapters 1 through 9. The privileges to the Capernaumites would one day bring accountability and judgment upon the people. We learn from this verse 1 where it says that he entered into Capernaum after some days that the delays of Jesus become opportunities. We can take heart that when we are waiting on the Lord to come to us, that we may have the assurance that any delay will translate to greater and better things. Now, the best advertisement was this Jesus. It was noised abroad 
that Jesus was in the house. Let us pray for that in our homes and in our church. We want visitors to our church to know that Jesus, our Lord, is here with us. Pray for his presence and for this advertisement. That's the best. Jesus' primary work was to preach and to teach. And over and over again it is repeated. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. So many other things crowded into his life, but his constant focus was on preaching. See also verse 13 in this chapter for the same pattern. The Lord taught God's word. And this is our work too. The Christian ministry is to bring men to the truth of God, his word, his son, and the gospel. We need to pray for greater grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to conduct a Christ-like ministry that will bring sinful men to know the truth of the gospel. This must be the burden of every Christian to see others brought to Jesus for salvation. When we lose this focus, we're getting away from the true ministry which the Lord has given us, the ministry of preaching. And for that, we must pray and preach and pray and preach that this gospel may be proclaimed over and over again. Now, the outstanding statement of this incident is to be seen in verse 5. When he saw their faith. This all relates to the extraordinary actions to lay this man who was sick of the palsy at the feet of Jesus. You see here that the Lord requires faith. Look at the condition of the person. Palsy was a muscular loss. He was paralyzed from neck down. And look at the trouble getting an interview. There was the press, and that refers to the tightly packed crowd surrounding the house. That's nothing to do with journalists. That's the mass of people around the home. The home was small. It had an ascending staircase to the roof, and they stripped away part of the roof, lowering the man to lay him before the Lord, all while he was teaching and engaging the people. This was a major interruption, but it was recognized as their faith. And we begin to see that it's not just what we say, but it's what we do that shows our confidence and our trust in the Lord. Men and women of faith will bring others to Jesus. That's what we learn in this passage from Mark's Gospel. And so let us stir up our faith today to tell others the good news of the gospel and to lead them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that they might be saved and brought to know eternal life. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm-hmm.